Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Bondurant. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest visiting us from uh, anywhere around the world the united states canada scott strandy your host tonight joining you from kansas city missouri not phoenix arizona not scottsdale arizona not lake elmo minnesota i'm in between my co-host as always zach bondurant joining me from beautiful chandler arizona where it's probably what about 100 degrees right now uh zach um i don't check anymore <laughs> But I should know. You told me that. Mind. You told me that. <laughs> please, please pick a city and stick with it for crying out loud. I can't keep track of you. Uh, well, I'm out on the road working, as you know, and uh, making a little vacation out of it. So working my way back towards uh, Vegas and then on to Arizona. So um, I saw something called snow headed towards Denver today. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay put in Kansas City tonight and tomorrow night and then Wednesday, when all this BS is cleared out, I'm going to head into uh, to Colorado Springs and hopefully get down to Air Force and see Frank Saratori there, and then on to uh, Vegas and uh, see my friends over there at uh, Jesse Ray's Barbecue and also over at the Henderson Silver Knights, and then venture on to uh, home of Scottsdale, Arizona. So that's kind of my plan for the week. Uh, we've got a great guest joining us tonight. We've got Jason Pothier from uh, – uh, Sinbin.Vegas joining us in just a couple of minutes. But, Zach, hockey is going on, and what the heck is happening to our co-host, Paul Hornstein's New York Islanders tonight? I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I just, as we were getting ready to get going, um, I looked at the score, <laughs> and I saw what was happening. I mean, this is why this is why I picked them. One for two reasons. Tampa has been going at the Stanley Cup for – I can remember five years now, always making these big splashes, having these prospects blossom like Kucherov and, and point and all these guys. And then they're making trades for Sergachev and they have Victor Hedman and I, they're so deep. And then they trade away Bishop because they have Vasilevsky. And then the second reason is I don't trust Varlamov and granted uh, Greece was in there. I checked. I don't know the whole situation, but Varlamov did let in more goals. Um, uh, what's that? Five? No, four. Four goals. So right. like that's just and that's just where I'm like, yeah, 
It's not that he's a bad goalie. It's just I, I don't have that trust in him that I would. And that's, that could be biased, as we've said before, because it stems from his time with the Avalanche. But um, that's for those two reasons, I don't know if I'm surprised, but I also am surprised. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we'll find out from Paul tomorrow night on that <laughs> college hockey selfless week because I'm sure it helps have something to say. Um, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, the other matchup against Dallas, uh, one nothing in favor of Dallas. It looked like Vegas was skating uphill the entire night. Um, not really sure what happened there. Uh, Jason will probably give us a lot more insight into what he saw and what he interpreted. So I'm going to hold my thoughts on that one. And, uh, and just I want to ask you, since you weren't able to join us last night on the Pandemic Playoff Podcast, um, did we get the four teams, in your estimation, that deserve to be the NHL's quote-unquote final four? Did we get the right ones? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at the series with Dallas, they, they played phenomenal. And they adapted their game because traditionally they're the very much low-scoring uh, we're gonna grind you out. We're gonna we're gonna hit you every time you come near us. Team that that kind of outlasts opponents, and they adapted that to put up a bunch of points in that series. So they've showed that they can play both both types of style hockey, and that's I mean that that's truly what a Stanley Cup champion team uh, does is they play their game at a very good level, but they also can adapt their game to uh, any opponent that comes in uh, and plays them. And then Vegas, I mean, they continue to be top-notch. Um, and we saw last night with Dallas. Dallas played their style of game. One goal in the first period. Marc-Andre Fleury. On the first shot. Back in the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he's just trying to get back into the rhythm after being out, what, two games? So um, that's the Dallas style of hockey. And then Tampa Bay – um, clearly showing their prowess tonight and putting up eight points against an Islanders team that traditionally doesn't is also a very low scoring team, both them scoring and team scoring against them. Um, so yeah, I think these are really good matchups. These are dev- they're here for a reason, and these I think are, these are think are the best four that the NHL has to offer for the for the Stanley Cup. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's bring on our special guest tonight. we got Jason Pothier with us. The greatest hockey name ever of any guest that we bring on is Jason Pothier from uh, Sinbin.Vegas. Jason, if you're with us, uh, hit one of the call-in buttons, and we'll, uh, we'll plug you in and, and get you going here. So how are you tonight? Jason, do I have you there? Yeah, you, you guys have me? Yeah, loud and clear. How are you? I'm very well. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing well. you got Scott and Zach with you tonight. Thanks for joining us. I know uh, it's a crazy time for you like everybody else, but uh, we always appreciate your time and your insight. So let's jump right into this thing, Jason. I mean, you guys are uh, in the pocket of the Vegas Golden Knights, literally. I mean, you guys know everything that's going on. So let's get started right now. Did it look to you like the, uh, the Golden Knights were skating uphill or, or skating in cement last night or just physically tired? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's there's certain elements there because I don't really think – I mean, we all know they didn't come out strong, and Dallas did. So they didn't really have anything uh, to balance that. And when Dallas came and, and scored that first goal, like you guys mentioned, on their first shot, I think it sort of put uh, the Golden Knights in some sort of tailspin. 
And from there on, they just couldn't get their legs going. Uh, guys like Mark Stone just didn't have it in him last night. He took a, a hit early, not sure if that was something that affected him throughout the game. Max Pacioretty's shot was just, you know, just not on. Uh, the, the, the one thing that they did in the last three games against Vancouver, they continued to miss shots on net. And they did again as last night. So, you know, the only, the really the only bright spot of last night's game was Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, I made a comment last night on our pandemic playoff podcast. I said uh, towards the end, I, somebody asked me how how we were going to get the Golden Knights going, and I said if you don't soon see seventy one. 81 and 19 being difference makers out there uh it could be a long series so your thoughts on that line and how important that is uh, carlson marcia so and uh and riley smith yeah you're right 100 percent. i mean you know they haven't gotten going like they did against chicago riley was on fire and even last uh series against vancouver they were very balanced they, they did their job when they needed to but i mean if they're if they go quiet because as of right now, the, the the Golden Knights top line of Stone uh, last night it was a you know a little combination of centers, but Stone and Pacioretty, they haven't been too. I mean, I think they have maybe one goal over the past twelve periods between the two. So uh, you know those lines, if they don't wake up and they don't snap out of it, Dallas will just defend them. And if they have a one goal, two goal lead, Dallas will grind and, and wait it out. And if those guys can't step up, then you know, Dallas might take this uh, in six, you know, and, and I don't think the Golden Knights expected that. Okay, Zach. <laughs> hey, go ahead, Zach. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how big of a difference do you think uh, Reeves not being on that bench last night made uh, for that team? I mean, most people see him, well, he's a fourth liner, you know, but he's got that kind of grit. He's the leader of that grit game that they play. So do you think that factored into them uh, maybe not having everything in the tank or do you think not having practice the day before attributed more to that? No, I, I, I think you're right a little bit. I think Reeves did have some, in, uh, could have had some impact last night. The only issue is Dallas, you know, they welcome that. They welcome the grind. They welcome the big hits. They're not. They're willing to drop gloves as well. So I'm not quite sure Reeves would have got the entire team going, especially since he's only, you know, realistically in the playoffs, he's been playing eight or nine minutes a night. So you can't start him out there like they would have last night on the fourth line, which Pete DeBoer has done. He starts the game with the fourth line. Well, last night, Rick Bonus decided, hey, I'm going to throw Jamie Benn out there. So, you know, it, it was a choice where the Golden Knights, they, they didn't have Ryan Reeves, so they didn't start that fourth line. And as we saw a couple of shifts later, you know, after Dallas grinded them in their own uh, defensive zone, then they went and scored in that first goal. So, yeah, I think Reeves will add something tomorrow. It's just I, I can't really tell you how much because we don't know how much he'll, he'll be playing and if that's going to be a factor. And the other thing, I was doing some research today too, and I was looking up all the times that um... – the games that they played recently against Dallas Vegas. Um, and they've played them three times this season and the two regular season meetings Subban played. And then for the, for the playing round or the, the round Robin, it was Leonard. Do you think flurry not seeing that new type of, of Dallas stars roster had anything to do with that either of him um, with that first shot coming from a defenseman? 
You know, it's a a good question, but frankly, I I can't see where Flurry comes in the conversation of problems last night because, you know, granted it was an early shot and maybe he could have gotten the way of it, but the Golden Knights just didn't generate anything. They had four shots in that second period. It was a very bad second period, you know, and for a guy who's watched every Golden Knights game in, uh, geez, in team history, I I sound old now, but... um, (laughs) No, the history's not that old. (laughs) (laughs) But last night could have been their their worst second period that I've ever seen. And, And I think, again, a lot of that goes to, if they're not getting anything from that top six, then it's gonna be tough for them to get anything on the bottom six. Because if Alex Tuck, you know, Alex Tuck is usually going when Riley's hot, when Max is hot, because then at that point they have to adjust defensemen and that leaves Tuck open or for the third line, it leaves Tuck less defended. But, you know, if, if, if Dallas feels that they're going to be able to shut down the top six, I, I really worry that the Golden Knights aren't going to score on the bottom six. So overall the balance uh, just didn't look too good, didn't look good at all last night. I expect a different team tomorrow. For sure. And just for the record, I would agree that Flurry was the best shining star. I just wanted to see what your opinion was. So, <laughs> well, well, I won't lie to you. I, I was very shocked by the decision. And frankly, yes. I, I didn't like the decision because it sets up the team for a loss and it set up Flurry for a loss. And right now when, you know, there's there's uh, definitely a division in, in fans right now. For sure. Some like Leonard and some like Flurry, but you know, the, the ones that want to see Leonard full-time, last night was just more fuel for them. So I just don't think it was the right decision. Again, I'm not a coach, but I still worry about what's going to go on further. You know, they'll probably go Leonard tomorrow night. And if Leonard has a bad game, does that mean they go back to Flurry because he only allowed one in? And I don't know if a team can get kind of get around flip-flopping goalies every night. They need a rhythm, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's a great point. I, I got like 15 questions that came out of that conversation. So, <laughs> by the way, here's the first one, Jason. And, and you and I have seen a lot of Vegas Golden Knights stuff. You obviously more than I have living right there. But one of the things that I, I think with Vegas is, and, and I lost a gasket. Zach will attest to this the other night uh, when they got the win, the 3 nothing win. But my frustration came from this team is built to score three or four goals a game. That's what they do, right? They move the puck, they score, and uh, and if you can if you can hold the the opponent for two goals or less, you're going to win ninety percent of the time or more. So uh, to me, the problem that's got to be fixed is fixed is the uh, the offensive performance. And a couple of things that I noticed. This is part two. I noticed that they were trying to be really cute. And you talked about how many times they missed the net in that Vancouver game and also last night. But they look like they're trying to be too precise and they're not just playing Vegas Golden Knights hockey where you move the puck a couple of times and you get it on net, you get the rebound, you finish it off. Uh, Am I seeing things or is that what you were seeing too? No, absolutely. And, and, you know, there were two instances last night where Riley Smith had a good open look at the net and he decided to try to shift the puck over across the crease. But, you know, at that point, Dallas was able to move the puck out and Paul Stasny with an open net, uh, you know, he decided to make a pass. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're trying to find that precise play, but I think it's almost a little bit of a panic because during the Vancouver series, they were averaging 40 shots a night and they only scored one in three games. I mean, if you want to count, uh, if you want to count the three goals or the two empty nets, that's fine. But 
you know, they were shooting as much, you know, the quantity was up there, but the quality wasn't. And I think they probably focused yesterday on trying to get quality, but they didn't, and they didn't get enough of them. So I have, yeah. I have a, if I can jump in for a hot Go second. Go ahead, Zach. Yep. So yep. Do, you, do you think it was the quality of the shots or just Thatcher Demko was that good? Well, he was certainly outstanding. I mean, you know, I think I think we can all agree on that. But, you know, there were times when they would have power plays and Vegas would just True. set up Max Max Pacioretty on, on, you know, on his little spot where, hey, a good chunk of the time, 30% of the time, those goals go in. But Vancouver is all over him, and they just kept blocking and blocking and blocking these shots. And Vegas, they weren't really being creative with their shots. They were just shooting. And I think yeah. they believed, and, and even they said it at some points post-game, that they believed that if they fired 43, 44, 45 shots at them, eventually they would go in, and, and they didn't. So last night I think they tried to focus more on, uh, on just kind of quality. And, again, they didn't get it. But to be fair, let's give a lot of credit to that to Demko as well. Yeah, really good point. Uh, the other thing, Jason, we, we both know this, or all three of us know this, in, in playoff hockey, it's about adjustments, especially in a seven-game series. And uh, I, I mentioned this again last night in our podcast. In, I'm going back to the Vancouver series. Uh, the Golden Knights came out, built that 3-1 series lead, and then uh, basically hung on to get a 4-3 series win. But uh, what I saw out of Vancouver was they went away from their high-powered offense uh, type type game, and they went into uh, a defensive format, and it looked like they stymied uh, the offense of the Golden Knights for the better part of two two and a half three games maybe, um, and then and then what happened was Vegas gets that goal from Shea Theodore, and all of a sudden uh, Vancouver panics and they go, "Hey, we can't do this anymore," and then they pull their goalie, which I thought was way too early uh, in a one nothing game. Um, and, and all of a sudden it's 3 nothing and it's over and you're done. So the adjustments, I think, originally in that series give credit to Vancouver. But then I think uh, the Golden Knights made the adjustment towards the end. Once they got that goal, they knew how they were going to finish it out. Yeah, I, th- I think they, in Vegas's mind and Vancouver's mind that one goal was going to win the game. And, you know, I think, you know, to be fair, I, I, I don't know if – I, I don't want to criticize Travis Green because I agree with you. It, it was too early. But he said after the game that he felt they've been pinned in their zone the entire game. If they get pinned in for even a minute more, they won't be able to. Nothing really good comes out of that because they won't get the actual shot or opportunity to tie it up. So, But what they did do, and you nailed it, was they just played defense. and they, I mean, they had four bodies around the net. And so that's why the wor- I, I worry about Vegas's quantity over quality. So if Dallas, you know, we you talked about it, you guys mentioned it, they're a very good defensive team. If Dallas has a lead and they have bigger bodies, they can throw them in front of the net. And, and I think Gudobin will, will be fine. You know, I, I think that's the fear is that Vegas will have to, you know, come up with much better quality shots. You know, they need to p- move the puck, pass it. That's one thing they didn't do well in the Vancouver series. So. We'll have to see. Hopefully that happens tomorrow. Yeah, and Jason, do you think this is kind of the new, maybe the new blueprint that Dallas is kind of building as far as having uh, a really stout puck-moving defensive core 
uh, all guys up and down the lineup can play defense and move the puck, score goals. And you have some stars on the offense, no pun intended, <laughs> but you have, you have those superstars on offense that can carry the team. And do you think that's kind of a new blueprint they're laying out? Or do you think this is just what's working for them right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've all seen Dallas Star Hockey, and it's usually very big and very slow and very, you know, they contain and they and they collapse on on other opponents. So um, this is sort of where they are, but they've been getting this outrageous offense in the postseason. So I'm sure they went into the series thinking, hey, Vegas is going to, like you said, Vegas is going to score two or three goals a game. We're going to have to win three to two or four to two or four to three. Um, you know, after last night's game, it looks like Dallas feels comfortable playing that Dallas lockdown style. So we'll have to see if it works in game two, but if it does work, I mean, you know, it's sort of, uh, like you said, it's a blueprint going forward, especially if you have big bodies. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. The other thing that I noticed was early in the bubble, uh, Vegas and the, and the TV announcers were all over this and, and we we've seen it. I mean, I watched it at practice. I know you have too. Um, one of the things that, that uh, people give Pete DeBoer a lot of credit for is uh, his breakout system, right? It's a couple of short, pa- short passes, 15-footers, 10-footers, maybe even a 5-footer, but it's awful lot of offensive support from a center and a winger, right? And they get, they get out of the zone quickly and they get flying. Uh, I haven't seen that, to be honest with you, in the last three or four games. Is that is that something my eyes are playing tricks on me, or have you seen that too, that they've really struggled – to make those short, crisp passes and get down the ice. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right on with that because, you know, that's that's Vegas hockey right there, the breakouts and then just the heavy forecheck that, you know, and you attack with, with all the forwards and then you bring in a defenseman. So, yeah, I mean, that's what they want to happen. But over the past, like you said, four games or so, their passing hasn't been crisp. They haven't been able to break out. Uh, maybe it's because I think a lot of teams are doing more clogging in the neutral zone, and and I don't think Vegas has normally seen that because they're so big and fast. They've been able to kind of crash through that, but obviously Vancouver proved that they can clog up uh, the, the neutral zone. And the one thing that that Vancouver did that I think Dallas will do as well is the minute they had the puck, they just moved it. They made sure they were always moving forward with the puck. It didn't matter if they had lost the puck right after. They just wanted to limit Vegas's chances inside their own net so or inside their own zone. So they just kept moving and moving the puck as fast as they can. And that really frustrated Vegas. And it really left Vegas with some some shots that they probably didn't want. And and, and I think Dallas will do the same thing. So yeah, moving so, forward. Go ahead, Zach. Go yeah, okay. So moving forward with with what we saw yesterday, based on the kind of the things we talked about making those passes what do you think are some other adjustments that Vegas will have to make in order to to get Dallas out of their style of play and allow Vegas to play their high scoring uh, physical game well well Dallas is one of the most penalized teams left I think actually I think they are the most penalized team left so I think what Vegas has to do is a they have to get the penalties so they have to uh, draw penalties but more importantly they have to they have to get something on the power play. It's just been dreadful all postseason. And it's something that if you don't get goals on the power play, you know, five on five, it's going to be tough to generate as well. So uh, I think that's what they have to do. They have to, you know, get Dallas to play their sort of undisciplined style at times, get Corey Perry a little wound up, you know, and then all of a sudden you'll get a slashing penalty, something like that. 
but they have to commit. They have to get something on the power play. And if not, I mean, you know, it, it almost doesn't matter. They might as well play the game five on five. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think quality shots and power play conversion, I, I think they'll be okay. And with the follow-up to that, do you think Reeves is that guy to get under Perry's skin? Well, the thing is, I don't know how much Reeves and Perry will be out there. You know, I mean, True. last uh, series, I think it was maybe a minute and a half that average-wise, because they, when they're tight games, Pete DeBoer kind of holds back that fourth line. He uses a guy like Noshik in the center. He'll, he'll move him up kind of steal a face off or whatever. But for the most part, if they're out there with Reeves, I would think that they're probably in the neutral in the neutral or the offensive zone because anytime that that fourth line is in the defensive zone for Vegas, they worry. Pete DeBoer worries. So I think Reeves will bring some high energy, which I think they need. I think he'll probably start the game like they did and, and hopefully, you know, slide that momentum immediately. And uh, I, I think if he plays it right and takes some big hits and, and kind of, you know, take a, take a hit here and there on one of their stars, I think he'll do it. And I, I do think he's going to be very smart and make sure that he doesn't commit any more penalties or major, uh, you know, match penalties. So I think he's going to be, be playing pretty smart tomorrow. Okay. I want to ask you about somebody that I think is becoming a star right before our very eyes. You know him very well, as do I, uh, from hanging out in the locker room. But Shea Theodore might be the nicest guy in that locker room, and that's saying something because there's a lot of nice guys in that Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights locker room. But um, Shea is blossoming. I mean, he just keeps getting better and better and better. We all know about his battle with uh, testicular cancer. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody would have known about it had he not even wanted to bring it up, but he brought it up uh, for a point. He wanted to know people that you could survive and thrive. And now uh, what he's doing both offensively and defensively, he's becoming a star, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is the the Shea Theodore that all of us, like you said, we've, we've all known for so long. If, you know, just watching him as a duck, you know, being going up and down with the gulls and, and they used him so much in the playoffs. It was interesting. The ducks wouldn't use him much in the regular season. But when it came to the postseason, Shea dressed and that said a lot about him. So they obviously used the ability to you know, move him up and down uh, because he was so young. And then even when he came here, the Golden Knights were able to move him up and down until they realized, all right, well, this kid can't be in the AHL any longer. So I, I think this is the shade that we've all been expecting. And I, to tell you the truth, I don't think it's a secret. I, I think what's more ha is happening that NBC is covering it. Now the rest of the nation and the rest of the hockey world gets to see him. So, I mean, for us, you've seen him plenty of times. We know how good he is. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of piggyback on that on is the play of Zach Whitecloud. I, I told everybody, Jason, at the end of the year, I said, uh, I really like the Vegas Golden Knights roster. I, I like what Pete DeBoer's done. I knew that when he had a couple of weeks of training camp to work with everybody, that'd be great. But there was one area that made me a bit nervous. It was the defensive core. And they shored that up with Alec Martinez. Then they uh, decided that Zach Whitecloud was going to be the guy, and they kind of gave him the, the keys to the car and Lo and behold, Zach Whitecloud has driven it pretty straight down the right down the highway, so or down the strip, as we should say in Vegas, right? But <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit about what you've seen from Zach Whitecloud. 
I mean, I, I think we've all seen just a little bit of everything. You know, he's been a threat even offensively. There are times where he's been down and, and crashing the net a little bit and has some chances at rebounds. So I think and, – and then obviously we've seen him make some big hits. So I think he's turning into this kind of all-round defenseman that the Golden Knights and everybody else who scouted him – I mean, think about it. He was an undrafted player out of Bemidji. So uh, it's kind of amazing that here he is – playing his first year in the Stanley Cup final or playoffs. And now he's in the Western Conference finals. And and I think he deserves every minute. I think the one thing that defensemen do, they seem to blossom underneath DeBoer. And I think that's what's going on with White Cloud and Theodore. So then, so there's also going to be the, the another team coming to Vegas that is going to be really exciting, which is going to be the Henderson Silver Knights. And we were talking about the, the young stars kind of, going up and down between the NHL and the AHL. And one guy that comes to mind within Vegas is Cody Glass. Um, how how much of an advantage do you think that is going to be for that organization to have Cody in the same city uh, to, to kind of see and monitor the, the, uh, the progression? And how quickly do you think he'll be able to make the jump to be a full-time NHLer? Yeah, it's, those are good questions. I mean, it's definitely a benefit for him and the club because, you know, as their first overall, well, not overall, but their first franchise pick, uh, you kind of need them to work out because they've traded the other two, and it looks like Nick Suzuki is going to be a pretty pretty right. good player up in Montreal. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some pressure in Cody Glass. And, frankly, I don't think he's – I don't want to say it, but I, I don't think he's a guarantee to make the roster next year. So I think he expects – I think that the organization expects to see him maybe split time in Henderson and, and you know, other time in Vegas. But uh, I think he's got a lot to prove still. I know he's had some tough injuries, so I think maybe confidence, strength, stuff like that, just get get him ready for the NHL game uh, will be important. But, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. The fact that he's only 12 miles down the road is a huge deal. Exactly. And like you had said, Nick Suzuki being traded to the Canadians for Pacioretty, um, obviously, Vegas seeing that uh, that winning the cup now is very important. So trading away that that future was was pretty big in order to get Pacioretty here and the impact he's had. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I mean, you could say what uh, you know, you could make doubts or whatever. I, I think they probably made the wrong decision. Now that you look back, they probably maybe consider moving Glass instead of Suzuki. But you know, they made their mind up and you know that that's what happens right but i think with a guy like max like you said they're at a window here they had flurry who knows what's going to happen that but they had an older goaltender they have a roughly older team so they need uh to make a run here this year and, and next year because their window could be you know i don't want to give i don't want to jinx them here but it could be closing sooner than we think yeah. Jason, I want to ask you this uh, in comparison to uh, what's happening in Arizona. And, um, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I've been on my soapbox a few times, but I get really frustrated. And part of the reason is I spend about half my time in Vegas and half my time in Arizona. And I compare the two franchises. And uh, this is going to be kind of long-winded, but uh, when I look at Bill Foley, right, I mean, he refuses to lose at anything. I don't think you can beat him in checkers and him not be happy about it. <laughs> uh, so, so it starts at the top, right? And, and you know as well as I do, when, when he had Murray Craven <laughs> basically living at City National Arena to make sure that that thing got done on time, um, it, Bill Foley doesn't take no for an answer. 
And we were kind of hoping that that Alex Marillo, and we're still hoping that Alex Marillo coming in and buying the the, the Coyotes was going to kind of bring that same type of energy and build from the top down. And it seems like um, we're going the opposite direction again. We're sitting here going like, okay, we just uh, released the best video coach or one of the best video coaches in the NHL and Steve Peters been around for more than 20 years with the organization through all the ups and downs. All of a sudden he's gone out the door. Then we find out that there's some payments missed to players that, that had due dates and, and they didn't get paid on time and they were caught up and paid in advance. And then Chica leaves and then they let go of Aaron Cohen, their president and CEO that was doing a fantastic job with the community. Um, they're starting from scratch and it gets so frustrating. I want to get the opinion from somebody from Vegas that sees this, um, you know, from 30,000 feet. What's your opinion and what's the opinion, the opinion of the Arizona Coyotes from Vegas? Yeah, wow, that's uh, it's a it's a big problem. And, I told you it was going to be long winded, right? <laughs> no, no, you, you, you laid it out really well, and and it's uh, you know from my distance, you know, I've always, I'm just overall, I'm just a huge NHL fan, so I, you know, I would consider knowing the Coyotes the way you know from on the outside, it seems like they're an organization that's not close, you know, and, and again, I could be way off. I'm sure, you know, obviously Keller's a a star, you know, could be, could be star. And there's some other players that have the potential. I don't know their farm system, but when I watch them play the golden Knights, rarely do I think that they're, if it was a playoff series, I can't imagine that the coyotes team built now could be the golden Knights right now. And I don't see that for the next, I don't know, three, four, five years possibly. So if they're in the same division and if they're also competing with, you know, kind of building teams, I guess, like the LA Kings, I kind of have more faith in the Kings than I do with the Coyotes. So I don't know if that, if I'm wrong on that, but it just seems like the way they've built the team, especially their size, I know they're fast, but they're not going to beat Vegas up. They're not, you know, in the, in the seven game series, that, that roster at currently at the moment, even if Hall stays, I just don't think that roster can beat the Golden Knights at the moment. Yeah, and that was my question because I wanted to get the opinion from somebody that does see it from the outside. I mean, I see it up close and personal. And um, the frustrating part for me, Jason, also is I, I look at what Vegas has done, right? Um, when you and Ken and I sat down before the Vegas Golden Knights were the Vegas Golden Knights, you guys had a little rally at a bar, and I joined you guys uh, one night just to, to find out what was going on. And all of a sudden, T-Mobile's built. Then City National's got two ice sheets. Now Henderson's going to open up two ice sheets. And they're breaking ground and digging already in the Henderson 6,000 seat arena or whatever it is for the AHL franchise. So if I'm counting, I'm saying there's six new ice sheets in uh, four years, roughly a little more than four years in, in Vegas. And I'm looking at a Coyotes franchise that uh, every new owner that comes in says, yeah, well, we'll, we'll do what we have to do, but we're really in the long, in the wrong spot. We're in Glendale. We should be in Scottsdale. Um, they've had four years of, of roadrunner, hockey in tucson it's been successful they won a couple of pacific division championships but they don't have a practice facility so the team has to practice in arizona and then when their season starts they have to start on the road and then sometimes they get bumped out of their own building for a week for a gem show i mean can you continue to run a franchise like that yeah i mean you know it it sounds 
I mean, it, it's almost sad because, you know, it, I really, I always thought that Arizona. Boy, was I'm glad you said that because I have used that sad word many times over in Zach to test on that. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, realistically, I mean, it's it, it, they've had moments. This franchise has had some strong moments, and I feel like it's 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 going to take a while from that. And I think that Bill Foley and the league probably looked at Arizona and some other cities that maybe didn't do a good enough job pumping the sport, you know, bringing out the new sheets, building facilities here, stretching out even further beyond the limits of the city. Um, I, I don't think that – I think that Bill Foley knew – all along that he was going to have to grow generations of fans. And the only way to do that is to build arenas, to build those facilities, bring in the AHL so you can get younger, uh, inexpensive fans uh, or inexpensive tickets, you know, so you can get a younger generation. Um, And like you said, Tucson, I mean, you know, they've probably done a good job because they market well to the, 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 the fan that they're trying to get. It's just a shame that I didn't even know they didn't have a practice facility and, you know, it's, it's, it's it, again, it's, no. it's kind of sad. <laughs> it, it's extremely sad. And, and the problem with it is, is you can't grow that youth fan base because you can bring them out to a game. And guess what? The six, seven, eight, 10 year olds want to go play afterwards. Right. But there's no ice. There's no practice facility. There's, there's no youth facilities to practice on or to play on. So, so how are you going to foster and build a program is what I want to know uh, with that kind of thing. And, and, I guess I, that's where I get really confused because I'm going like, I, I see this happening in Vegas, so it, it's a money issue. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I can't throw the money down to build them some, some facilities, but Bill Foley just doesn't seem to ever let that bother him. I mean, and, and I'm going to throw out another example. We have a, an expansion draft coming up, and what did Bill Foley do? He bought his way out of uh, having them in the expansion <laughs> draft, essentially, right? I mean, isn't that the fact? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> so he said, I can't let you mess with my roster this early in our, our building, so let me just pay for whatever it's going to take to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, conversely, the Arizona situation, and I'm not privy 100% to what happened, but you, you heard about the, the scouting combine issues and that mm-hmm. they lost some draft picks. And I was told, and I'm not sure this is 100%, so it's hearsay probably, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I was told that they had an opportunity to pay fines for every incident, which would amounted to, I don't know, 250000 per incident. I don't know how many incidents there were, but whatever. Let's say there were five, and it cost you a million. And I'm throwing numbers around like I have all kinds of money here, but <laughs> let's say it cost you a million too, and you kept your draft picks. Um, the Coyotes elected not to do that. They elected to take their first round next year away and their second round this year away, and not pay the price, if you will, in cash or whatever it would take to keep draft picks. And that's another thing that bothers me because are you built to win then or are you built to have a business model um, like everything else in business and not in a sports franchise? Yeah, no, I, I you know, there's no way Bill Foley would allow that. You know, he, he not saying that he's, I mean, he probably is one of the wealthiest owners in hockey at the moment. I mean, he's just, uh, you know, he's made, uh, a lot of money, but so is the owner in Arizona. So you would think that he would try to make a stamp or stamp his name, you know, get things going in the right direction. And if you had to pay off a few million or whatever, let's just say it's a few million at the max, uh, there's no way Bill Foley would not pay that off. And and especially with a president and general manager um, or president slash general manager, like 
you know, George McPhee. There's no way they would allow that. And it does, it does show the wrong, it sends the wrong message to the fans. And, and it's a shame because hockey's a great sport and, and it should continue to grow, even in places like Arizona. All right, Zach, I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead. Careful. Don't, don't fall down. <laughs> um, no, and, and like Scott had said, it's we do have a bit of a frustration with it because uh, they're in our own backyard, and and it brings it it brings in a lot of entertainment and, and a lot of opportunities for it. But um, yeah, I mean, just the way that Vegas has built through everything, and when you first saw this roster, if you can think back to when you first saw the roster. Obviously, I don't think anybody saw what happened in the first season coming um, by going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. But what were your initial thoughts when you saw those players picked for that uh, that opening night roster? Well, uh, it's funny because I was in a unique position. I was really I was underground uh, the T-Mobile Arena or in where the the media kind of sits, and uh, we were waiting for every player that was there to come in and do interviews. And there was about eh, like five players. It was Brandon McNabb was the first one. But as these players were getting called and as we were talking to some of these players and then other players were, were being called up there on the board, I started to think to myself, hey, this is not a bad roster. You know, it's not a great roster, but I thought to myself, hey, this is not a bad roster. And then as a guy who, I mean, I got to admit, I, I've, I've been a Ducks fan for a long time, even though I'm from Boston, but – uh, you know, I was extremely excited when they selected Shea Theodore because I said, wow, okay, so now they're actually not only trying to win a, a, few, a few games this year, but they're really building for the back end. And the same thing when I saw Alex Tuck's name come in with the trades, I started to see that this team has a core but not even close to what I assumed happened in 2017-18. So I thought it would be around now that they started to make their push. But um, So I, I, I will fully admit, I, I didn't think they'd be successful, successful in year one, but I did see the path that they were going in the core that they were trying to build, that young core. And what do you, what do you think was that difference maker of, and like you had said, them being successful around this time as opposed to being them so successful – in the beginning, what do you think was that difference maker? I, th- I think that difference maker is, it, and this is a little corny, but I do think that little misfit thing really, really clicked. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> you know, I, I think a David Perron, a, a James Neal, guys like that were kind of, you know, they weren't ticked because, uh, let's be honest, they loved moving to Vegas. But for the most part, they were a little, you know, offended and, and annoyed that they had to pick up and move. And, and they felt that they were kind of left out there by the organizations. And then, you know, multiply that by everybody else. And you have a roster full of those people and those players. And I think all of them kind of just immediately formed a tight group. And they said, you know what, we're going to win games. We actually think we're pretty good, which they were. And I think that's when guys like Nate Schmidt realized, you know what, hey, I can play 20 minutes in this league. And Braden McNabb said, hey, I can move up a line and do better. And then you have guys like Neil who can take on a tuck and can take – you know, on haulers and guys like that and show them the way that you have to grind and get a goal here and there. So I think, you know, just the roster, it was uh, uh, just a, a kind of a mess of a really 
interesting guys, you know, guys that were good, guys that had been good, and guys that potentially could be good. And I think it was a, it was a great, you know, great uh, – I think i got to give full credit to George McPhee with that. Um, but, you know, obviously we see now that they've gone in a lot of different directions. Okay, so I know we got to wrap things up here because we're running out of time, but um, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the Henderson uh, head coach pick, and I'm just going to call him Coach Manny because I can't come close to pronouncing his name yet. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so, so tell me about Coach Manny. What do you know about him? What do you expect him to bring uh, to the Henderson Silver Knights organization, and, and how much fun is it going to be to have an AHL team there along with the NHL team? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because we had one co- we've had one Zoom conversation with him, which was you know really good. It was it was him and Kelly McCrimmon, and they were kind of going over his uh, credentials and and why he was the right fit. And I think the reason why he is the right fit is because I I think he'll almost be coached from above. Not that he won't coach on the ice and coach his players and build up their confidence and all that that an AHL coach needs to do. But I think he's always going to be talk to and discussing his plans and strategies with George McPhee and possibly even Pete DeBoer. We'll see. But I think George will have his hands and Kelly will have their hands in the middle. So that way they can form a strategy from going all the way to the AHL up into the NHL. So the players don't have to change any type of, you know, their skill based or they have to go which way or, or start on the offside. They want to make sure that these players are doing exactly what the big club is and then when it's their turn, they just fit in and, you know, just hopefully flawlessly just stay in the organization and continue to build that pipeline. But, yeah, I think he's going to do do a good job. I really do. All right, Zach, give him one final one from you, then I'll throw my final one at him and we'll call it a night. All right. So tomorrow, so tomorrow Vegas plays Dallas again. Um, you had alluded to that you believe Leonard will start tomorrow. Do you who do you think starts game three then? Um, whether it's win lose, well, that's maybe not. So if they lose, who do you think starts game three and why? Okay, so like you said, I I believe Leonard will start game two, and then I also no matter what the result, I think Leonard will be your game three starter. And interesting. Okay. I honestly don't think. DeBoer wants to play Fleury. I really don't. I, I not, it has nothing to do with Marc-Andre Fleury or his skill. I just think that he believes Leonard is the goaltender that can win him the cup. And if that's the case, which he's already kind of decided, you know, two series ago, then he should just continue. No matter how many losses or how deep the series goes, he's got to stick with Leonard. So I think Fleury was able to get that game last night um, as maybe – I don't know. I don't want to say that, like I said, I don't want to say that they felt like they could lose last night, but it was a tough turnaround. And uh, maybe they just felt that it was Flurry could have stolen a game uh, for him, in which he did. But it, it allows Leonard to have rest. But personally, I think we'll see Leonard from here on out. Okay. okay it's almost like Zach and I worked together because he led me right up to this one. Um, one, of the things, <laughs> one of the things with the, with the bubble, uh, Jason, is the fact that everybody's right there, right? And I think sometimes the NHL is really wound up on TV time and TV dollars right now, and they, they threw games together as quickly as they could. They moved on to the next series. They didn't want the guys to have downtime. Uh, it was obvious last night that the Golden Knights could have used an extra day. That was three games and four nights um, starting this series. But now we're back to 
quote-unquote regular playoff type series, except for the travel day, uh, you're going to play every other night. Uh, I think personally that that really favors Vegas. I think when they get structured to where they're playing, you know, what, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday, you, you go down that road, I, I think that favors them. Am I, am I right in my thinking on that? No, I think you're right because, you know, I mean, essentially this team does – They, I mean, we saw it. They, they needed a little bit of rest, and, and they just – their bodies didn't have it last night. So I think with that normal, like you said, that normal postseason schedule that they're getting will probably balance and, and work to their advantage. The one thing is, I, personally, I think it's because of their goaltender. That's another reason that Leonard doesn't wear down. And, uh, you know, as 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 – as nice as it would be to win the cup with both goaltenders, it's just not realistic. So I think the time in between allows Leonard to be rested and allows the team to kind of, you know, they, they, they're going to have some ice bags after playing Dallas. So they're going to need a day or two uh, to kind of settle in. And uh, hopefully they bounce back. You know, I'm expecting that tomorrow. All right. So the, the final question for you is really a prediction. Uh, look into your crystal ball. Um, is this year that Vegas gets to the Stanley Cup final and wins it? And if they do, who are they going to have to beat to do that? Well, I, I said uh, on our show on, on that I predicted that whoever won game one was going to win the series. And I just thought, <laughs> I know, I know. A whole so, bunch of people in Vegas that don't want to hear that. I, I know. So I'm going to try to back up and amend that a little bit. Uh, I still think Vegas has a chance to win it. It's just going to have to go seven. It really is. Because I don't see Dallas allowing Vegas to run three or four off right now. So I, I think it's probably going to go the distance. And uh, I think if Leonard is really, you know, who we all expect to be, who I think he is, and he's going to keep the score low. And I think the goaltending edge is there with Vegas. And if Vegas can take quality shots, hit the net, and, uh, you know, absorb that abuse they're going to take from Dallas, I, I think they're going to win in seven. Okay, so they win in seven. Now they're in the Stanley Cup final. Who do they play and do they beat them? Well, they're, whew, this is tough. Uh, I, I predicted Tampa will win this one in about five. So uh, I, I look good tonight, but, you know, to tell you the truth, <laughs> I think that was maybe a, re a really tired Islander, Islanders team as well. So um, I think Tampa's going to make it, and uh, I think Vegas and Tampa will battle it out. But, uh, man, I don't know. I want to say Vegas, but. Tampa just looks really, really good right now. So so I got to have one more. So if Ken was sitting right next to you right now, and I don't think he is, but if he were, uh, how would he react to Pete DeBoer with the Golden Knights taking on Barry Trotz <laughs> with, oh. with the New, New York Islanders? I mean, holy cow. Could you yeah, ask for anything win. more than that? He can't win either way, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> both coaches have, uh, you know, been on his uh, crap list for a while. So, but uh, yeah, you know, hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully uh, John Cooper finally gets his team there. <laughs> Jason Papier, thanks for joining us. Still the best guest hockey name we ever have and one of the best guests <laughs> we've ever gotten on the show uh thanks for coming on thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule appreciate it uh you guys need to get to sinbin.vegas and see everything that they do i mean they are the benchmark folks in uh, in las vegas nevada covering hockey so we appreciate your time as always have a good night what's left of it and uh Tell that uh, partner of yours to uh, next time not be so stingy and maybe come on and talk to us too, okay? 
<laughs> absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll nudge him a little bit, but absolutely great uh, joining you guys. I really appreciate it. All right, Thanks, Jason, Jason. Have a good night. Uh, Jason Papier from the uh, Vegas folks, and I'm serious. If you need to go uh, get some stuff with uh, Vegas hockey, if you're not following with us, follow with them. What the heck? Follow both of us because we all have some great insight. And uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, Zach and I will come back to wrap up another Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly in about three minutes. Ask any hockey player in the desert Southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from MDrive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made MDrive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, MDrive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your product with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit ease. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. 
Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Kansas City, Missouri tonight. Zach Bondrand, as always, from our uh, beautiful state of Arizona in Chandler, Arizona. So, Zach, just a quick recap on what we heard from Jason and specifically what he thinks of uh, both the uh, futures of the Golden Knights and the Silver Knights. Um, so, I mean, based on, on all of the knowledge that he has, sounds like um, he's got a lot of confidence in Vegas being able to to play their style of game uh, with Dallas in these playoffs. And something that we had talked about was it's going to be a really tough series in the sense that they they can play – they both play that really gritty brand of hockey. Um, and it's – and with Henderson coming, like he had hey, said hey, – so, Hold on a minute. Hold on. Every show you seem to get that word gritty in there. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, for, sorry for breaking that up, but that was too funny. Go ahead. He's the best mascot. I mean, it's kind of it's it is a coincidence because that's like the perfect style, the perfect word to describe it. But you can't tell me there's a better mascot than Gritty in the NHL. Um, but I love it. Now go yeah. back to Henderson. <laughs> yeah. So, so with Henderson coming down down the pipeline, it just really makes for uh, even that more of an advantage for the Vegas franchise to build and become stronger. Um, and he had alluded to that having guys just 12 miles away and having that coach so close, you can, you can work very, very close together to build both, both teams and, and win championships at both levels. So it's Vegas is going to be a powerhouse. Um, and he had said the window is maybe four or five years. And, and I actually would, would say maybe a little bit less. Um, but after after relooking at the roster, he, he's about right, you know, um, with Stashney and Stone and Pacioretty, uh, depending on Leonard's contract. So I would say that that's a pretty accurate window that he gave was four or five years. So it'll be really interesting to see what um, what happens over that time frame. And, and Henderson, I think, is going to come into the league and have uh, some really good success. And I'm excited to to go see him in person and uh, see what they've got. Well, I'm going to pass through there on Friday, as I said, and uh, visit a couple of our partners and get over to the arena again and see where the status of that stands. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to when that restart happens. Uh, I got a feeling it's going to be in December. Um, also heard word that it could be January for them, but I think December is uh, pretty much what's going to take place unless this pandemic does something crazy, but which it <laughs> already has. So who knows, right? But, um, 
yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing them too. I think they're going to be a good franchise. And, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm always bagging on Arizona, but you, you got to look at the facilities. I mean, if you keep putting facilities up for your teams like they're doing in Vegas and you're doing it quickly and top-notch and first-class, I mean, eventually that's that that's going to win out. It just is. That's a, that's a fact. So um, yeah. hopefully the Coyotes are able to get something rolling and get it back together and uh, and get things on the right track, and we'll leave it at that. Go ahead and do your read, and we'll say goodnight with Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, and De Niro. Yeah, so Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Boat of the Best Ford Dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. It's the presenting partner of the Sunday Special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey sent you and see the top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Our dining rooms are in accordance with the CDC guidelines and are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you the power of T-Mobile. Whether it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Call us at 702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. It's all about the butt. Buy Summer Skates. Our line of shower shoes can show off your fandom or team unity with custom designs. Visit summerskates.com. Behind the mask, it's time to get back to hockey. For all your hockey needs, visit visit one of our three locations or go to behindthemask.com. Buy College Bar and Grill in Tempe. Buy ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Find the bottle that suits your taste. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to MDriveformen.com. Use the promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. Buy Iceden, Scottsdale, and Chandler. See our website for ice availability. Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly and all the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySouthwest.com network. Very well done as usual. Thanks for uh, jumping in and, and doing your thing tonight. A lot of great uh, questions for Jason, our, our special guest, Jason Poffier, uh, the greatest hockey name ever. I'm sorry, Poffier. I love it. Um, from <laughs> Sinbin.Vegas. Yes, we give him uh, a, a lot of credit for taking time because I know they're extremely busy up there as well. Um, Zach, thanks for uh, the great questions and for hanging out and doing everything for the hour. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow night at College Hockey Southwest Weekly with my co-host Paul Hornstein joining me. And then Wednesday night, of course, is back to Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. And, of course, don't miss our Sunday shows, the Pandemic Playoff Podcast. So for Jason Poffier, from Zach Bondrant, this is Scott Strandy saying good night. And uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will take us into the evening with De Niro. Hey.